have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. Hey, this is Tyler Walker, voice of Gang Orca and Bondo, and ADR director and scriptwriter for hundreds of your favorite anime episodes, and a former guest on this show. You're listening to the I Know You Hear Me podcast with Mr. Flynn Hendricks. Are you needing some decals made? Maybe some vinyl or monograms? Then you need to go check out my wife's Etsy shop at Decals by Kins. That's K-Y-N-S. Go over to Etsy.com slash shop slash Decals by Kins and you can check that in the show notes as well and see what she's done for other people and see what she can do for you. And I'm speaking from experience here. All of my water bottles, my protein bottles, they all have something that she's printed and put on there and those things last. So if you need something like that for a gift, for your family, for your kids, or even for yourself go check out what she can do for you and as a special treat for my listeners if you use the promo code flynn that's f-l-y-n-n she's even going to get you 10 percent off your order now you can't beat that so go check it out and see what she can do for you and i know you hear me people have always asked me flynn how do i become a professional wrestler how do i become an actor how do i become a podcaster how do i get an agent well, if you're somebody that's asked these questions, then I've got the solution for you. I'm now offering coaching options that will help you find the answers to these questions and get on the path to success. So if you've been held back by fear, overthinking, or just don't know where to start, email me at theflynnhendricks at gmail.com, use the subject line coaching, and let me get in your corner and help get you on the path to success. And I know you hear me. Welcome back, everybody, to another awesome, exciting episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast here in studio this time with Flynn Hendricks, the prince of podcasting, the emperor of entertainment, the one-man enterprise, and the one-man goldmine of professional wrestling with the way things are going. And this is a pretty packed studio here today because not only do I have my number one dude, Elliot, in here on all four legs, but I've also got a guy that I have been waiting to have on the show for over a year now. I've teased him, I've teased him, I've poked fun at him and made jokes, and believe me, this is a long time coming. And I've also got Just Jeff in here doing some audio, technical, and Just Jeff things. So it's a pretty packed house in here. But before we get into all that fun stuff, guys, I've got to thank you all for continuing to subscribe, continuing to listen, and helping us get those numbers up. It really means a lot. And I mean, Good God, we've been doing this for over a year now, and that still blows my mind. We're in season three. We've had some awesome guests on the show like Jonathan Joss, Linda Young, Corey Disson, Dan the Beast Severn, among others. Like, what has this last year been? This has been awesome. And as we're recording this right now, I'm getting ready to go to a super show up in Caverna and Horse Cave, Kentucky, if anybody knows where that is. And it's going to be a marathon day, but here we are getting this in to make it happen so that you guys still keep getting this quality audio content. 
And if you haven't already, guys, go follow us on all social media platforms. This podcast is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And it's available on all podcasting platforms. Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, I am there. Go leave a five-star and a written review. Tell me, tell me what you like about it. And then it's going to help my algorithm more than you know, and it's going to help attract more sponsors too. So any help greatly, greatly matters, and it is greatly appreciated. But before we go any further and before we get to today's guest, we've got to take a quick pause for a word from the Give Me Back My Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famer on the show with us. Every Monday at noon, Live and in Color with Wolfie D. (laughs) And we're back. All right, guys, without further ado, this has been a long time coming, and I have purposely saved him for so long because I was really just seeing how long I could hold out before I had to bring this guy in studio, but I'm so glad that we finally got the chance. You've heard me poke fun at him. You've heard me call him the dollar store Dwayne Johnson, the poor man's Ron Simmons. You've heard me call him Big Sev. You've heard me, you've heard me throw a lot of insults his way. But in, in all honesty, in all actuality, this guy is one of my best friends. I met him my first day stepping into the professional wrestling world, and at certain times we drifted away and then came right back together. He actually helped me get the job that I have now in the corporate world, and he's become Uncle Maine and the guy that my kids will call soft. It is my pleasure to have on the show the Deadly Sin 7. Big Sev, thank you for flying in this morning. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm okay. Different time zone change. You know, I'm on the East Coast <laughs> in Virginia and all the good stuff. You guys got some snow. I, I love it. But the drivers here still suck. And you might, might as well just add the molten of lust to all the, the um, example names you've given yourself uh, as well. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me. I'm here finally. Uh, we're not. We're in person. We're in person, and this is an awesome feeling as opposed to actually doing it inside of my sound booth. So I am digging every minute of this, and I think you just hit on me, but I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna let that one slide. But anyway, man, I I am so excited to have you on here, and you know we're doing a back to back thing. We actually just recorded for my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt. Go subscribe if you haven't already. It's on all podcasting platforms. But, you know, you had a pretty intense, awesome episode that's going to already have aired by the time this comes out. My prices went up. <laughs> yeah, that stock just shot up. But, uh, man, like, so let's let's take it back to the beginning and let's change it around a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, because like I said, we got introduced through wrestling. What brought a young seven into the world of wrestling? What piqued your interest and what grabbed your attention? Um. Wow, I'm I'm really thinking real quick. So let's let's start off like this. What piqued my attention? Because when I was a kid, it was it was the the freaks of the industry. Right. That's what really sparked my interest. Um. Let's see. Well, I'm not gonna say like everybody else because it seems like everybody else said, "Well, when I was five, or when I was six when I was seven or eight, um, wrestling is what happened, and I picked up wrestling. That's a bunch of bullshit, dude. 
So what 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 got me into it was when I grew up watching wrestling, you had the freaks of the industry. Oh yeah, behemoths. They they were larger than life. Yeah. You Hogan was larger than life. Ultimate Warrior larger than life. Sid Vicious larger than life. Bloody. Vader Andre the Road Warriors the Road Warriors Steiners oh. the the World Warriors do you know who that is right who is that Powers of Pain yes oh the they World were, the Barbarians they were the World Warriors in the NBA mm. when they did the bench press comp- competition uh Doom those guys I mean I mean the list goes on and on but you had freaks of the industry that caught my attention. And like I said, people people lie when they say, oh, this age, nah, dude. When I was a kid, okay? Yeah. On top of that, Rocky Ford. When 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 uh, it was Stallone and Drago, you know, uh, Rocky and Drago uh, fighting. I mean, they were the freaks of the industry at that time as well. Yeah. And then you had bodybuilding. Oh, Which yeah. with Arnold and Louie. Frank Zane, all those Franco guys. Colombo, yeah, all those yeah. guys. And, you know, and, and Louie was the original Incredible Hulk. Yeah. No CGI, nothing. Nothing. And you had Arnold, he was Conan. And then, and then, and then the put the icing on the cake, you had the, the, um, the Terror Dome, Mad Max. Oh. So you add all that, that's what got me into wrestling. And it's funny, too, how you mentioned, like, Conan, and then you mentioned the Terror Dome. All that stuff came into wrestling, too, because Mad Max, that's where a Sid Vicious creation down in Memphis came from with Lord Humongous. That's where uh, the, uh, the Road Warriors got theirs. Yep, and then also... And Barbarian yeah, and the Powers, Powers of Pain. And then also, too, Andre was involved in Conan. There's that famous picture on the internet of Arnold in character standing next to Andre the Giant and right. looking like a child next to him. Right. These were freaks of nature back right. then. So seeing and then take it back to wrestling to see this as a kid in the uh, like when you get in my shiki voice in the in the uh, Mecca Arena in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or the Bradley Center, these guys were huge. Even then, when I was growing up, I you had uh, the the Crusher, yeah. Uh, in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Crusher. He's still he's immortalized up there today. Yeah, well, they're gonna put me next to that next. And you had Vanarowski, and all those guys were just freaks. Absolutely. As a kid, as a kid growing up, but then, like I said, back to the at the time it was WWF, which we all know is WWE. But those guys were freaks. Those guys were larger than life. Like, yeah. oh my god! I mean, biceps bulging, it quads traps just everything yeah and let me ask you this too because you're naming all these guys that you know worked for these promotions that promoted size more than you know like skill or technical wrestling prowess being from wisconsin that's kind of like the heartland for what was known then as the american wrestling association or awa you mentioned because it was really in minnesota yeah well went from minnesota way down to chicago yeah and i mean you you mentioned the crusher you mentioned baron von raschke that's where Hulk Hogan got his, you know, his big national start. Were you familiar with any of those guys during that time, or did anything from Vern Gagne's territory draw your attention? No. So it was, I'm glad you brought that up. So I didn't grow up on 
Smoky Mountain. I didn't even know yeah. shit about that. I didn't know anything about what promotion uh, was that in, in Louisiana? Oh, uh, Mid-South, Bill Watts. Yeah, and I didn't know about Texas. I didn't know about Oklahoma. I didn't know about that. I'm from Wisconsin. Yeah. And it was a territory I'm from up north. Yeah. back then. But the thing was, I was a kid, so I really didn't know all, all the bits and pieces of AWA. Yeah. However, I had the AWA ring. My the the AWA ring and I still got the uh the figurines. I had the Ric Flair. You're sitting on a gold mine right now. I had I, I got the fabulous ones. I have um hell. There was Nick Bockwinkle. Kurt I don't Hing, know. The I, 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 I had the referee one because that referee was jacked in that toy. They that dude was bigger than some of the the wrestlers that came with it. Funny funny thing about that too. That referee I think ended up being one of the most valuable figures out of that set. Yeah, and then I um. A guy that looked like Terry Taylor, but it wasn't. It was Nick Bockwinkle. Yeah, and, the and, best. Yeah, and then you know I had a, some some more that came with that, but uh, yeah, they used to come down Milwaukee and 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 wrestle on on the weekends or whatever. But then obviously WWF was still wrestling in Milwaukee. As oh well. yeah. Oh yeah. But and I had my favorites out of that um, per se. I gotcha. Now, let me ask you this, too, because uh, this is always a fascinating question, whether it's, you know, a guest that's getting into acting or performing or even wrestling with, with former guests on here. When your family starts seeing this bug set in with you and they see you becoming addicted or you're just zoned in in front of the TV and you're seeing these larger-than-life characters, are they encouraging you to stay watching that? Or are they just like, oh, you know, it's it's this or it's that or I'm not going to use the dreaded F word of fake, but, you know, like, it's just... It's a cartoon with with real life people. Were they encouraging of you loving professional wrestling, or were they trying to deter you away from it? Let Let's go back to the previous question. Yep. Um, because I wasn't done. The whole Ultimate Warrior. Yes. Ravishing Rick Rude. Sid. Oh yeah. Undertaker. Vader. Was at Hogan. Yep. I mean, he's a transcender. I mean, tr- trendsetter. He's the reason but, it is what it is yeah. today. Those guys captivated me. And then seeing Ric Flair oh and Sting yeah. at that time. I mean, that's what got me into it. Absolutely. It, it, I mean, I, I didn't like the good guy. I'm going to let you know that. I felt the good guy sucked, just like in movies. I always like the bad guy. This the is bad, why we connect so well. But I'm letting you know what captivated me. Even the Rotors, Steiners. Um, doom, all that stuff. I I didn't care for Macho Man. Really? Nah. I liked. I loved Miss Elizabeth and uh, Sensational Sher- Sherry. Oh yes. Yeah, I Sherry. loved. Yeah, I loved Harlem Heat. I'm, I'm just saying what really. Cause I wanted to be different. Yeah, of course. Everybody loved Macho Man. Everybody cared for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I didn't. I didn't care about. It. I loved Ric Flair. Yeah, because that was Ric fucking Flair. He had, he had the 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 best ring robes of all time. He did, he and they did. were heavy. My, 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 if you look at it, Muhammad Ali couldn't wear that robe because it was heavy. The way they were made back then yep. for him, it was like they were actually real like like material diamonds, whatever. And it was. It was Muhammad Ali tried to put it on and it was dragging him. And these are like five thousand to twenty thousand dollar robes that right. he was getting made. Right. 
and, and, and seeing the skyscrapers and, and just, I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. So I had my, my, my favorites and the ones that I just didn't really care for. Right, right. It's just how, how I didn't care for Hillbilly Jim. I didn't care for King Kong Bundy. But Until I, it was on Married with Children. But yeah. But I, I did like the the Iron Sheik and Nikolai, you know, because it was at that time it was it was crazy. You had I didn't care for Sergeant Slaughter. I wanted him to fucking lose. I didn't care about because it was based on the Cold War. Yeah, that's why Rocky Four came out that time, yep. and people are so dumb because they don't understand it. It all it circulates around that, and that's why and, Nikita Koloff was right, a thing. Get to that. And I wanted, I wanted them to break Sergeant Slaughter's name. I hated him. I hated him, but I liked him in G.I. Joe. Yeah. I liked Nikita Koloff was a, a mind. Even though I was scared of him, that guy, that guy right there fueled my fire. I hated Magnum T.A. I loved the Horseman. Of course. Tully. Uh, I mean, I love, I love, um, I really, I mean, because the, 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 the Nikita... In in the in the rest of in Khrushchev and all them they worked in AWA yep. with with the um, Fabulous Freebirds. I oh, didn't yeah. care about the Fabulous Freebirds. I didn't care about Demolition, even though their ring gear was good. I loved the I loved the Royal Warriors. So I had my people. I had my people. So back to your new and your next question is that yeah, I had idiots in my family. I still got the same idiots in my family. But they're your idiots. Well, I'm just being honest. They still say that's fake. And they were saying it was fake then, but they watched Days of Our Lives. They, they've oh, watched of yeah, yeah, yeah. Will of Fortune. They watch all this other stuff. But then you have some people like watch it with me, cousins or whatever. But outside of them, my mom never deteriorated me. I mean, it just changed, the, changed my attention from that. Yeah, absolutely. She, she let me, because it, it was engaging. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. That in the world of bodybuilding. I love it. And that's that's kind of my next question here too. It because if you look back at pictures of you as a kid, man, you it's like a night and day difference. Like you take that kid and you multiply him by like a thousand. And I'm I'm not exaggerating here because you were a very slim, very small kid, but you look at you now and I mean like you have a bodybuilder's look. Was it wrestling that ignited the fire and the passion for like working out, exercising, and training your body, or what was that like? And then what was it like for your family seeing you get into that? It was milk and beer. The cocoa beware, the cocoa beware method. No, the Arnold method. <laughs> That's what it was, German beer. But no, seriously, it. I. I was always athletic, always. Worked out, coming from a athletic-based family. Let me give you a little little behind the curtain. So I started working out, obviously, in high school because of sports, whatever. Of course. Because I, I, I played all sports. I was an athlete, soccer, basketball, swam, did track. Um, when I was young, I played tennis, too. Whole nine years. I did it all. Volleyball. But the high school I went to, <laughs> and it was my freshman year or sophomore year, them dudes were huge. Though I mean, those seniors and juniors mm-hmm. were, I mean, 
Huge. They were massive. Like, they look like guys that are like, you know, you got your, let me name some guys that are bodybuilding. You got your Brandon Curtis. That's what they looked like when I was in high school. Wow. I mean, now those guys look like a tub of goo and I, you know, but then I was scared to go to the weight room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was soaking wet. It was like hollow ground. Yeah. I was skinny. I was, I mean, they played all Metallica music up there. You heard, all you heard was the place crashing, them clanging and banging. They, I mean, these guys used to put dip in their mouth and bench press and squat. So that's how legit these guys were. And they, I mean, they were killers on the football team and oh, on the wrestling team. I bet. So... I didn't go. So when they weren't in there, I would lift. So one day, one of the guys was like, man, I think you could do 225. So I did 225 for the first time. And I was like, yeah, okay, I fit in. But I still I didn't go up there. So Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't I stopped working out after that. I didn't work out, but I did work out with where my mind was part of this it's part of this um private club, actually it's a gym, it's a private club. Yeah. And members only where they had like the best of the best robes. I mean, they had TV. They had house slippers in the locker room. I mean, tons of tennis courts. So it's, a, it's a legitimate health club and spa type right, setting. Right, right. Where, where you could buy tennis rackets and the whole nine yards. And wow. this lady there, she never liked me. She was fatter than goo, but she worked the front thing. And, um, it's like Al she, Bundy and the librarian. She, yeah, she hated me. And to this day, I hate her. But anyways, that's another, that's another story. But um, I used to work out, fool around on equipment there. Yeah, yeah, yeah know what I was doing, but I was, you know, the typical sips and push-ups, whatever. So, but I always loved bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. It's where, you know, I, I was posing in the mirror when I was a kid. Who didn't pose? Like when the whole course music came on. Of course. Oh, Ravishing Recruit is walking. I mean, who didn't pose? You know what I'm saying? That's what kids do. If you don't pose in the, in the mirror, like you're flexing your muscles, then you have a legit problem. Yeah. Um, that, that's, in in my opinion, I mean, because everybody wants to show their muscles. Absolutely. Okay. So, I got seriously into working out when, because um, I didn't work out my first couple years in college. Right. Just because when I, when I first went to college, those guys were flying from Florida and Texas. Those guys were beasts. Those motherfuckers were so huge. And then the, obviously the people that were already there that transferred from like uh, Kemper um, University, whatever, was yeah. Juco. I mean, those motherfuckers were huge too. Right, right. And I was like, fuck, I ain't going to the weight room. Um, it was strictly for football players anyway. Yeah, of course. So I'm not going to get beat up. Right, right. But in retrospect, these guys were my friends. Yeah. I just, you know, you, you always got that one guy. You, you always get in your own head about it, too. Right, and you got that one guy. You know? Yep. So, I mean, you should have seen these cats from Miami. Oh, my God. They make, they make some of the guys in wrestling today you see on TV look like nothing. Oh, buddy, I know. So, I know. Um, so, when I transferred to Tennessee State mm-hmm. from Wayne College, uh, when I transferred to Tennessee State in Nashville, Tennessee, from Jackson, Tennessee, um, I was like, you know, I, I want to work out. Yeah. It's, you know, the gym was right down. Like, legitly, I could walk to the gym because it was right now from my, right, my right. apartment. Right, right. And I ran into a guy named Jared Brown. I mean, well, actually, no, I was working out. I was working out, working out, just working, whatever. And I was taking the, the, the nitro techs. And, yeah. I, and I was taking this protein, the EAS uh, 
creatine at the time that was sponsored by Joe Weeder and and all this other stuff. You know, reading the Flex magazines, yeah. drinking raw eggs, which I did when I was a kid, and it does make you rip. It's legit, but it's gross. And then you, because it gives you the liquid shits. And then I was eating all this food, but I didn't know how to piece everything together. And I ran, ran into these guys. Yeah, they were bodybuilders. Jared Brown and this other guy, this other guy that's deceased. Um, and then a couple of the, they, these guys were freaks. T backs and all. Oh, um, silverback gorillas. Yeah. Uh, Zubas, the whole nine yards, right? Yeah, of course. These guys worked out. I mean, everybody in that world, it was world gym. These guys were like, you walked in there. I felt like, I was like, wow. Okay. So. One day I was working out, and I asked them, hey, can I work out with you guys? And I thought they were going to say no. And I was like, and I was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, I want to learn how to work out. I want to grow. Um, I want to get in bodybuilding. And, and that's how it was. It was that's how it went. Absolutely. So I worked out with them, and I grew. They taught me how to eat. They taught, you know, and I, I was just growing. I knew how to train. I started to know how to train. And that, that started the story from there. So let me ask you this now. As soon as you start getting into this... And I'm still and, friends with some of them now. Of course. And, I mean, that's that's one of the things, too. Like, when you make a change like that and you're welcomed into that, that club, so to speak, it does change your life. And you make lifelong friends from that, too. And you also gain people that will hold you accountable. But when you start doing that, how long was it after the fact? Uh, and also, too, let's not forget, you made a big move from Wisconsin down to Tennessee. Did that... Was there any trepidation with that move? Was there any like nervous hesitation? Anything? No, no. Good to know. Good to uh, know. I I was ready to go. Perfect. I like. My mom was like, "Hey, family will always be here. You always come home." Of course. So of when, course. I, when I left, I was gone. I never turned back. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, again, Wisconsin is home, and we we all know you got. Jeffrey Dahmer's there. You got all the crazies. John yeah, Wayne Gacy's yeah. in, in the northern Illinois. And then hope he gets free Stephen Avery, which I hopefully get an interview with that guy. Um, <laughs> you laugh, but seriously, I want to interview him. I, I, he He's innocent. But I was ready to go. I didn't right, care right. about it. You know, I mean, I was not going to go from here to Hawaii. I mean, from there to Hawaii. Yeah, of course. That would have been stupid. But in the lower 48, yes. So... With that being said is, I worked out, I saw results. At the same time, people didn't know. Like I said, I, I swam my whole life. Yeah. But I was lifeguard. So I, I come home from, from, uh, for lifeguarding during the summer because that was my summer job. Yep. And people were like, man, you're growing. You're, you're, you're filling out. You're filling out, getting big. And I was like, okay. And I'm working out up there, whatever. And, and I just started growing. Um, which, in turn... When you had to trial for your lifeguard, lifeguard, and sometimes it kind of hurt me because my times were getting a little bit slower. Right, right. Because I was carrying a lot of mass. Of course, yeah. And, and it just, you know, it was getting crazy. But I still was able to manage and because I'm competitive and I'm still fast in the swimming pool to this day. Absolutely. Anybody that wants to challenge me, step up to the plate, let's put $100 down right now. Anyways, so, um, so I came back, worked out some more. And at this time, I had a Tahoe, right? Um, I bought it from this place in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, that thing was legendary. It was legendary Tahoe, but I, I forget the name. Um, but it was out in the Rivergate area in Nashville at that time when I was living there. And um, so I used to take it back, obviously get the service or whatever. Yep. And I built a, I built a rapport with the service manager. 
at that dealership. He always found the best techs to work on my stuff. Yeah, of Obviously, course. Because you got, you got some people that just don't care. And you got people that do care. So I came back one summer, and the guy was like, good God, Jermaine, you got big from the last time I saw. I was like, yeah, man. Um, you know, I'm living with my, I go home, live with my mom, got family, eating all that cooking and working out. That's all I'm doing in, in lifeguarding. And then he goes, have you ever wanted to wrestle? I go, yeah. I was what I was like, my goal was just to hop over the barricade and get on TV like that. Because that's, oh, that's, that's all you oh, saw. Boy. I mean, as a kid, that's all you saw people doing yeah. on TV. Like, that's how they get on. You didn't know what's behind the curtain. Yeah. Because where I'm from, there's no training. And there, and, and I'm gonna be very frank. In the lower forty, there's no true training facilities. Yes, there are some. I you can name them. They're credible. They, you know, you can look them up. Look at their, um, your their uh, triple B score or whatever. But they're outnumbered by the seedy places. But you, but you have the ones that are not legit. Let's just say that. Yeah, let's right? stay there. Yeah. Well, let's just say that. So. That's what I, I said. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna run it. He goes, I don't think that's a good idea. I go, why? He said, Well, one, you get hurt, and two, you get rest. I was like, Psh, those guys they ain't shit to me. I fuck them up. I was like, I'm bigger than those guys. You know what I'm saying? That's just, we're gonna come back to that right. too. So what's 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 scale back? Um, so in high school, let's go let's scale back. And let's go back to high school. In high school, I created the NWO. In high school, because. I think it was my senior year. I think it was my senior year. It was my senior year, and that's when NWO was big yeah. and all that. Hogan and them were in WCW. You know, the whole phase of Goldberg was undefeated. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Goldberg was Jackie. Like, God damn, this guy's big, too. I mean, just everybody was huge. Walking cyborg. Yeah. Ooh, so, buddy. I, I was the Hogan, and I, I was able to... Yet these people flocked to me, and I everybody had a name. You had Hall and that. I gave people Hall and Ash. Who was Virgil? Uh, there was not a Virgil because that guy <laughs> sucked. And then I had one I, Big Tommy. He was the Scott Norton and all this stuff. So, Ooh, buddy, we used to go around and beat up freshmen because you got freshman kill day, right? So we beat up freshmen. It was like, hey, let's get him. Let's get him. I used to plan it. That I swear to God. And. And we used to terrorize the freshmen. And, and the school knew about this, but they didn't know it was to that extreme. So, but then, but then we turned and made it undergrad kill days. And kill days. We used to beat up sophomores, too, because they didn't want to join the NWO because it was the best at, at that time, Brutai. You know what I'm saying? Brother oh dude. God. Oh so God. It, it was the force to be reckoned with. There was one day during a pep rally, whatever, we chased this guy from the pep rally. It was a freshman all the way down the block, around the block, or whatever, in this neighborhood. We beat the dog shit out of him. We put his draws over his head. I don't take pride in this, but it's just memories. I'm sorry to say. But I, we put he had tidy whities. We put his draws over his head and beat him. We did elbows, just like wrestling. And somebody had a spray can spray can. They spray painted his draws. NWO. So y'all literally took what you saw on TV and made it like real life. Yes, brother, dude. Now let me let me ask you this though, like, and I, I'm not trying to like psychoanalyze by any stretch, but when you're when you're doing things like that, uh, you know, because obviously that's not something that we encourage. It's not something that we want our listeners to go out and do. Please do it. 
I don't speak for him. He doesn't speak for this podcast. Please don't instigate violence. But in a situation like that, too, was that something that, like, somebody had done to you when you were younger and you felt like it was just, like, your way of no. taking it back out on the world? No. I, I freshman killed that. I used to run and hide. I didn't go down and change in the locker room because it was basketball. I wait till the, the Marshall people. Yeah. I changed the different locker room. I was scared. Gotcha. Oh, would gotcha. I be a fool? So, base- so, no. I Nobody did that when I was a kid. Um, I mean, when you're on swim team, you you know, you're tired. Yeah. I mean, but everybody did that. No. It was a saw TV. I got all these people that love wrestling. What's make the NWO? Yeah. I wanted to wrestle. That's why I wanted to wrestle when I was a kid. I got you. I mean, I had spit bubbles coming out of my mouth when I was a kid playing with the wrestling, uh, my wrestling finger rings, like that. And I, I, I hated it when we played video games. I lost. I mean, when I used to wrestle with my buddies when we were kids, I used to pick the wrestler I wanted to win. I said, hey, I'm supposed to win, so you got to let me do this and that. Yeah, yeah. I remember, oh, D- yeah. I remember DDT and my friend. I was like, dude, I saw Jack the Snake do this. Let me do this to you. It was the DDT. I actually spiked him into the ground and messed up his neck at the time when we was kids. He was crying. So, and I was like, oops. I did the, uh, remember the shake, rattle, and roll? Yeah. I did oh, it on one boy. of my best friends. He had a bump bed, and the, the, be- <laughs> the bump bed collapsed. So, I was actually doing this stuff when I was a kid, but I just, you know, a kid. Good fun. Lord, man. Like I'm, And again, the, the trend of this podcast continues. I'm learning new things about these people I've known for years. But, I mean, it, it's the exact same thing. Like, mine was to a different extent where, like, we would do the basement, you know, wrestling or the, the fight club, as you would call it. Because we even tried UFC fights at one point. Those videos may still be on YouTube somewhere. Don't go look them up. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say they're still out there. But, you know, it's like you do all this stuff because you want to be involved with it. And at the same time, too, it may not be clicking in your mind that this is not safe or this is a dumb thing to do. But you just, you're so gung-ho on what you saw on TV. You want to do it. You only, you only, it only clicks in when somebody says, ow, that hurt or they start crying. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you, you, I wanted to do it. And, yeah, I thought I was larger than life. I thought I was there. and But we were not actually in there. We were actually doing this on places where we could have got suspended or arrested or whatever. I mean, what's what's making it a little bit better? I thought I was a fucking rock star when I came back from college and shit. Right, right. Clubs. I thought I was, or I was even 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 in wrestling. I was working out, coming back jacked as shit. Still jacked. Well, yeah, you are. Yeah. So, so as you can see, the correlation, right? Yeah. So, so back to the back to the uh, dealership. So yeah, he goes, man, Jermaine, you're big, and I go, yeah, dude, this is what I want to do. But I want to, I'm gonna hop over the ring when they come here, and whatever. He goes, no. Well, no. He explained why. He said, I know of somebody that that he said my buddy is dating Jeff Jarrett's uh, sister or cousin at the time. I think it was his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's head of security at TNA. Oh, at the wow. fairgrounds. I was like, really? I was like, wow, I've been trying to get in. And hopefully, I was like, if you get me on TNA, I thought I was going to get signed right there. Yeah, of, there. Course, of going, course. Yeah. So the way he put it, again, this is a service manager. So he called his buddy. The guy was cool. Some big Italian dude. So he talked to actually Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett actually called. It was on, on, on speakerphone. Say yeah, have him come down to the fairgrounds on his day. And that, that, 
okay, this is the fairgrounds, and I'm still in school. Yeah. And I'm and I get there. Me, I meet Jeff Jarrett, who I I've seen on WCW. Oh yeah. And in WWE. Oh yeah. You know, Double J himself, shorter hair this time, because he cut he cut his locks a little bit. He, I don't know, maybe the dye. But anyways, um, he introduced me to a gentleman who's now deceased, uh, Bert Prentice. Um, that's mm-hmm. how the ball started going on. Bert <laughs> saw dollar signs in his eyes when he when he when he saw me. So I mean, I, I command attention, and so did Jeff. And but but Jeff did say this: Hey, stay for the show, and enjoy and watch. Make sure this is really what you want to do. Smart it's a live move. Show. Again, I've seen live shows, but I've never been approached like that. Never been that close to to the attraction, to pro wrestling, to any of the the uh, workers, any other yeah. wrestlers. Um, but I saw Kid Cash there at the time. Trained me. I they had New Jack. They had um, they had a who's who basically. They had Ma- Big Mabel. They they at that time they had Big Mabel. They had the New Church with Wolfie D and uh, Brian Lee, and and Father James Mitchell, who I I would love for him to manage me. I would love for that. Absolutely, that will make my day. I I mean you and then you had actually Simbo D who was with. Um, the new church at the time. I mean, you had AMW. You had a lot of people. I mean, I could go. List goes on and on. I can name them, but you had a lot of people there. And I was like, wow. And they had catering. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh yeah. I was like, can I get some catering? You know, thinking about getting catering. I think D'Lo Brown, uh, Sonny Siaki was there. Was Kurt Henning there at this time, or was this nah, after he passed? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it was probably before. I, I don't know. But Sonny Siaki, Kaki Siaki. Um, all all those guys were there. So the thing thing was, I got to enjoy the show. It was cool. I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to actually be in there and be signed and be done with what I was doing and making, mm-hmm. making some money. That's Again, the dream. That's the dream. Making money. And people that say, well, there's no, yeah, there's money. It's how you manage it. That's just in anything. But, so, Bert and I stayed in contact. He introduced me to the trainer. Won't mention his name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's just say like that. I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. He took your money, taught you a few things, but didn't teach you everything that you were supposed to know or smarten you up the way you should. Right. Been. So I got introduced to Tracy Smothers. Yes, God rest his soul. Who has passed as well. He's the one that really trained me. He's the one that really molded me. He actually... If you, if you want to say sit under the learning tree, that is the true learning tree. Because if you're able to listen and take heed and learn from that mm-hmm. and, and, and create action, you got some talent. Because he I, that's how I met Gypsy Joe at the time through him. I got my first booking, legit booking. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at at uh, a promotion up there, which had at the time, God rest his soul, Balls Mahoney, yeah, uh, Corporate Rob, because he was friends with Corporate Robinson, and yeah. at that time you had Dylan, who is a uh, swaggle yep. now. Dylan was was walking out with um, Balls Maho- Balls Mahoney. I'm not going to try to promote up there, but he almost got his ass kicked by my friends. But anyways, other than that, um, 
Tracy Smothers was very influential in my Absolutely. my development, influ- influential with me navigating uh, which direction I should go, getting me booked in Evansville, Indiana. How that's how I met Buzz Dup at the time. That was his name, but it's Buzzy. You know who you are. Um, a lot of guys were there. Um, I mean, I've I worked some of the guys from OVW. Yeah. At the time, which was a WWE territory. Um, but with that said, I was in. Yeah. I was on. I was. I was on a roll. I felt my time was now. Yeah. I didn't have the gear. I had the boots, the size, whatever, because I was in college. You had several pieces, but not the complete puzzle. Yeah. College was more where my money was going. Yeah. So, and then, plus, I had a life and, and all that stuff. But, then, the reality came into place where I was putting all my eggs in one basket. This is something I want to talk to you about, too. And then that's when now I'm in I'm in college. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, at that time, an expensive apartment, which has doubled now. All right? And all my other stuff in between. My, my foods, my supplements, and all that stuff, right? Partying, because I'm in a fraternity, and I got a party and all that stuff. But I put all my eggs in one basket, mm-hmm. and it financially, it wasn't making sense. Let's just say that. Yeah, of course. Because you think it does. Yes. It, You're so driven on the dream. It's driven on the dream. It, it, it doesn't. So let me let me ask you a few questions now, because like you you've given me the ammunition to ask quite a few questions here. But rule number one or main one I want to ask is when you realize that like you're putting all these eggs in that basket and it's maybe not going the way you you foresaw it going. You always hear these guys, and I mean we could even say the same guy that trained you, quote unquote, at the beginning is the same guy that is also like tried to shun me for having to turn down a booking for having my job or you know something like that when you have a situation like that and you hear these guys that are you know well known or quote unquote industry veterans telling you that you need to have all your eggs in this basket but you see that that's not a smart or logical thing do you feel like it's cheating chasing your dream or do you feel like it's logical to have a backup plan because sometimes your future in this dream is not in your hands, it's in the hands of somebody else. I'm trying to think on how I should answer that. Be honest. We don't have to name names, but just give your honest opinion. My honest opinion is you have to be smart and responsible and look out for yourself because at the end of the day, that's all you have. Absolutely. You cannot use people to get where you're at, meaning finding a, a, I'm going to let behind the curtain, I don't care, a stripper, yeah. Or a nurse that has the funds and the means to get you so you don't have to do nothing and they do everything for you. Absolutely. I was still in school. Yep. So, and I had responsibilities. Of course. So I got hired at UPS. Yeah. They had a scholarship program. So I took advantage of that. Of course. Smart move. Smart move. So that was extra income. I was a student. 
I need my refund money for other stuff. Yeah. So that was extra money, extra whatever I want to do. You know, obviously, you know, mom's going to give you a little here and there. But you have to, you know, show that, hey, I got I need to take care of mine. And then I picked up, uh, I worked at GNC because I had habits, my supplements, right? So I had to be able to get the discount yeah. if I needed that or... I'm just working out for nothing but working out because I won't be able to stay pumped and then I won't be able to eat the steaks and get the creatines and the proteins and all that good stuff, you know, like the omelets and the, and the louis and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And the krauts and all that stuff. So, and the uh, gantas. <laughs> <laughs> the, the solid krauts. Uh, yeah. Anyways, but the thing is this. The, the, the thing is this. Um, I had to... Do that in order to survive. Of course, of course. Personally, I because there in the beginning there was no money. I remember my first match in in some fucking hick town of Kentucky where I got called every racist name, and I just went up there with the Naturals at the time and Sean Schultz. Yeah, you know, because I was the, being the stupid gimmick thing was a bodyguard, and I hate that shit. That shit needs to fucking cease. It needs to die because you're big, you're black, you play a scare. Fuck that. It's very, I'm more athletic it's than anybody in this shit. Yeah. I, don't, I don't do flip. I could do a flip, but hell, you could you, you get either you hit it or you don't. You only live once. So fuck that shit. That shit needs to die. So I, I was the bodyguard for Sean Schultz. And, but then the promoter goes like, hey, the guy didn't show up. I want you to work our, our hometown hero. In the um, main event. So I looked at all three of them and said, should I? They're like, well, you might as well. It's Learning experience. You're here. I was like, okay. There's like, just wear your jeans and your magnum boots. I was like, okay. So during this match, this old lady with no teeth that looked like she, like, she was drinking whiskey that has expired back in the 19, 1900s. Rock cut whiskey. Her face was looked like a fucking prune so bad. It was not fun. But she called me every racist name in the book and I loved it cause you know what I made that hometown hero hurt I, he was crying I was laying that shit because of that lady and every time she spewed some dumb shit and she's probably yeah she's well she's dead by now I fucked him up to the point where I went over I won no the joke. promoter didn't like that because I killed his hometown hero. Who cares? And you know what I got paid? You know what the rock story is, right? Oh, yeah. What is it? He got paid what? The envelope was worth more than the money that was in it. I got an ice cream cone. That was my first one. And oh, I, you, wait, wait, wait. So you upgraded from a hot dog and an orange juice to an ice cream cone. I got an ice Good cream God. cone. It was melting because we were in an old Midas or Carex uh, muffler shop. It turned into a building. Yeah. And it was hotter than shit. You were sweating in the back. So when I got this ice cream cone, you know how you get the ice cream cone? Yep. All, it was already, it looked like somebody licked it. It was already melting. The guy gave it to me. I was like, okay, and I threw it away. So that was my first pay. Pay your dues, kid. And that fucking shit needs to die, too. Yes, it does. You pay your dues by by doing it and getting a reward. And helping you, helping set up the ring at a show or whatever it may be, but you don't travel that far away and put your body in someone else's hands for no pay. I, I I shit on that too. You pay your dues by getting on the road 
in driving more than 45 minutes outside. This is also true because if you're taking time away from family, kids, spouse, whatever it may be, there's a lot of antiquated stuff in wrestling that does need to go away. Because you you could just set up a ring just to be helping out just yeah. to, because you're a good guy. You just Absolutely. That don't mean pay your dues. Get on the road and drive. Even by yourself and pay your dues. Yep. Get get out there and be an asset. Yes. That's paying your dues. Being a value added. Yes. That's paying your dues. And that's something that goes over so many people. Paying hands. your dues is finding your merch. Yes. And 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 what's good? What 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 is it good for me? Getting merch outside of your pay. Mm-hmm. Make an extra income. Yep. That yep. is your commission. Yep. That is paying your dues. Yep. In my book. Paying this, setting up chairs. Okay, so that means the the people at church, the ushers, and all that motherfucker, all that shit, are paying their dues still. Good point. That set up chairs Good in point. overflow, or at a, at a uh, um, a musical at a yeah. high school. No, I will I will say this though. If you do get a chance to set up a ring, if you're a performer, it will give you a better understanding of why it is important to have things set up properly because that is what your body is going to be put on the line in that night. But again, that if you're driving over 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, taking that time away, putting the toll on your body, sitting in a car on top of taking the bumps in a ring, like you're already paying dues. The fact that you made it through training and continued to pay and take the punishment and probably whatever hazing that came with it that also needs to be you know thrown out the door... That's part of paying your dues, too, but nobody looks at it that way anymore. Paying your dues is grabbing a broom and, and, and sweeping out that ring in the, in the, before it starts, at intermission, and after it ends. Very, very true. Setting up a ring, yeah, for safety, but hey, you got debris and stuff. Absolutely. Who wants that on their body? Pay your dues. Yeah, do that. that. A lot of people don't want to do that. That's grunt work. Sweep around the ring, you know what I'm saying? Sweep, yep. sweep in between the chairs. That's paying your dues. But if you look at Take it, the even, trash out. even in a corporate structure, if you want a manager or a leader that is the top of the best and brings the best out of people, they have to have the experience doing that too. Right. And right. man, I can already tell you right now, we're going to have to have some multi-part interviews for this. Oh, that's fine. But uh, with the wrestling portion of it, especially you said you messed that dude up. You hurt him. Hurt him. And with your size even, you know, like, you're... I made you're, him humble. You were what would be considered, you know, like average size WWE superstar back in the early 2000s average. up into the 2010s. Like you're you're over six foot, but I mean, like you're not an Undertaker size, or no. you're not a, you know, like you're not up there with a Kane or an Undertaker or a Great Khali, whatever it may oh, be. No. But down here, you look at the talent that's, or I say talent, but the Brocks and the Rocks. yeah, you look at the people on the independents, the and you look at your size and your build compared to them. You are at that Undertaker status. Right. And a lot of people were afraid to work with you because I don't know if they were intimidated by your look, but they always used the excuse of you were too stiff in the ring or you were too... Like, they were afraid of you. Don't judge a book by its cover. Exactly. And granted, when we all start out, we're all stiff, we're all snug. Speaking from experience, because I worked with you multiple times, I I got hurt a couple times, but never anything serious. It was out of love, man. There, of there's a, There's a difference. Yeah, of course. Because you were you were six foot three, I was five foot six. There had to be that believability there. Six four. Okay, 
I got it. I, I have proof in the pudding. I apologize on my misspeaking there. But, you know, like when it comes to something like that and you're still out here chasing your dream, how does that impact you when you're like, man, I'm doing this, I'm busting ass, I'm grinding, but everybody's afraid to work with me? What is that like for your mental state? I'm actually, I'm not chasing my dream. I'm living my dream. Th- okay, fair point. I'm chasing my passion. That's it. Yes, better phrase, much better right? phrasing. They want to judge a book by its cover. Yes. They don't want to get to know, oh, this is a big guy, yeah, he's going to hurt you, blah, blah, blah. Okay? I could look at you and say, well, you don't wash your gear, you look you look terrible, you don't take care of your hygiene or your health. Yeah. I don't want to get in there with you. The way you look. So that's judging a book by its cover. So when you paint that perception, yes, it gets overused. Yes, and it spreads and, like wildfire. Right, and then you get put in a mold where you're a monster. I'm not. I played that. I'm not a monster. And I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot it back to um, our holiday episode with Wicked Nemesis, man, because he referenced you specifically. He said it was bullshit, stupid booking. And again, pardon my language, to have you drive three, four hours to have a three to five minute match where you just squash somebody. Like where where is the development? Where is the storytelling? Where is the entertainment? And watching you just squash somebody for five minutes that's not even worth your drive well let's let's reverse that i believe that was taking place here in nashville tennessee with various promotions oh yeah so they i'm not taking anything away from them right right but they did not know how to utilize me of nobody did of course so that's why i left the middle Tennessee portion. Yes. And, and went to Chattanooga and oh, yeah. went to Georgia. You went everywhere, but around this saturated right. market and meeting Bill Barron's. Yes. Had the vision and he did it correctly. I did not do that all the time. He brought me in cause Dan Reverend Dan Wilson introduced me to, um, pitched my name to yeah. Bill. Well, actually Bill was here and they saw me and they yeah, pitched NWA my name. main event for right, a while. Right. So, I was brought down there. Obviously, you got to bring me in, dude, because my gimmick at yes. the time, which is was stellar, and I, I I took it from from that. Yeah, you know. So we're moving forward. We're not talking about anything before that, but I took that gimmick and just counterpulped it. But the way Bill Barron's mastermind, him, Jeff G. Bailey, and Reverend Dan Wilson, mastermind that was gold. Yes. So. Yes, some matches were like that, but you know what? The reward was great. Absolutely. And and I was in the the aura, the area of your your gunner who is Chad. Jackson Milo. Riker, yeah, formerly yeah. WWE. Yeah. And you have Michael Judas. I mean you I think he's with NWA now. Yeah, you I mean Everybody at Slim J. You have everybody that's been through that building. Yep. I mean, it's not even crazy. Iceberg. Um, tank. Tank. Um, so, the list goes on and on. Sean Tempers. Yeah. Um, Izzy. Uh, Ace Rockwell. Um, so, with that being said is, I was amongst the masses that can help my talent. Yes. To improve better. Absolutely. Which, I left Middle Tennessee because... And I'm not going to say all the talent wasn't like that, but there was only a a few percentage because the few percentage of that talent was good. The other percentage of that 
wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth than the rag you just washed your butt with this morning. Yeah. So, so the thing was, Bill Barron's had me going to Alabama for NWA. Um, wild side. Wild, no, 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 not wild side. Um, what was that one? Because Anarchy was uh that, that used was to be wild side. Jordan, so, yeah. Anarchy. They had Will Owens promotion, which was NWA Alabama something. But anyways, it's so many of them. Yeah. So I was traveling so much. And I was being utilized greatly. Yes. Because of Dan Wilson and Jeff G. Bailey, they knew how to utilize my character. But here, it wasn't utilized right. And that's only I. That's why moving forward, I pick and choose. Yep. My promotions. And I wanna I wanna actually use this as the uh, the stopping point for our uh, first portion of this interview here, because uh, again, this is gonna be a multi part thing. Now you'll only be the second one to have that. But um, with that, like. Working with Bill Barons, and I'm noticing a trend of people I'm booking here now, and it's unintentional to an extent, but you were the final NWA Southern Heavyweight Champion. You were getting extra spots from WWE left and right. Like, you were on TV. You were on backstage segments. You know, and, like, you're doing all this stuff, but, again, you're not working around the Nashville area, and you have so many people here just saying, like, oh, I didn't know he was still doing this. I didn't know he was doing anything. You know, like... Follow me, motherfuckers. Exactly. Like, how do you just brush off and ignore somebody with a, with a fragile ego who clearly knows what you're doing, but you're... You're making them feel so insignificant and inferior because you're you're actually out doing what they've claimed to be doing, and they're kind of getting you know inadvertently getting shown like you're full of you know you're blowing smoke, and I'm out here actually doing it. How do you process that and just brush it off and not let it affect you? Just don't care. I mean, I got I got screwed of that NWA Southern title. It got taken off of me because and- the promoter here. They had no com- there's there was no competition. They me- didn't want to book it right. The the bookers were dumb and the person they put it on We don't count that. That's why I'm saying you were the final. He was the he was the ground. And here here here's the thing too, and this is unfortunately you got grouped into a bad situation because of me, because at the time that promoter who has now passed on and shall remain nameless, um you had actually the week before for whatever reason, and it's, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but this was stupid booking on his part, and he did it just to spite us because he knew we were leaving. He, you know, I was the NWA Mid-America X Division champion, the final one, the main champion outside of your Southern Heavyweight title because yours was a nationally recognized title. They put our match on a, an hour-long Ironman match. They put it semi-main event to you and Sean Tempers, NWA North American champion versus NWA Southern champion, where it should have been flip-flopped. Granted, your titles held more esteem than the one I was holding because they've been around a lot longer, but when you have a stipulation like a 60-minute Ironman match, the crowd is going to be so fatigued after that that you know they, they, they're not going to be interested in the killer match you guys put on because I stayed around to watch it, and it was unfair to y'all. But at the same time, too, you know, it's like we went through and we destroyed the entire building. We destroyed the concession stand. We did everything. And we were gone because of mistreatment and other stuff and blah, 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 blah. I won't get into all the details just yet. But because you did not make it the next week because you had a legitimate job issue and, you know, like you had to stay and work overtime because you were a manager, responsibilities fell on you. He took the belt off of you because he assumed you were just no-showing because you were associated with me. And that's not fair, but that's why that's why that title was taken off of you, and he really didn't even have the authority to do it. 
that's when you have chicken sa- uh chicken shit. Yep. And you can't turn it into chicken salad. Yep. That's when you have somebody that's just in it for the money and not in it for to help you succeed. Ex- absolutely. Absolutely. Just to say they had something. Yep. So with that being said is once it got taken off, I I accomplished. You, you know what? You go on Wikipedia, my name's there. You're still the last one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm, I'm there. So with that being said, is I, I'm there. Everybody can look it up. And boom. You know? So whatever goal mm-hmm. that was, then the only thing accomplishment it was is, hey, this guy's traveling with my belt. Let's just take it off and bring it and keep it here. Well, because, it wasn't even his belt. Well, just this is where I was thinking Yeah, at the time. Let me just keep it here because I don't want it to travel because I can't promote. I can't book a right show. Absolutely. So at the end of the day, that show here was was convenient. Yeah. I used it like it used me. Yep. Would I have changed a lot of stuff? 100%. Absolutely. Would I wish it was still around? No, I don't. Um, but with that being said is... I'm glad that actually um, I had the opportunity to have it Absolutely. Absolutely. And, man, that is going to be a great stopping point here because, again, there's no way we're going to fit 15 years of friendship, experiences, and everything into one conversation. But before we wrap this one up, man, same trend we've had. This thing has taken on a life of its own. I've been grilling you for almost an hour now. It's time to flip the rolls a little bit. You get to throw five questions my way, and I don't know what those are ahead of time. Nothing is off limits. So when you are ready, my friend, the floor is yours. Five questions? Up to five questions. Yes, sir. Who who was your um, the wrestlers you grew up watching? What, what, made, what captivated you? What drew you into wrestling? Man, I remember this to a T. I remember in 1998, my godfather, pretty much my father figure to a T, Don, um... He was he was a big Monday Night Raw guy, right? He had on. Uh, I just remember watching Raw. It was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus. Raw the wasn't Undertaker. on in nineteen eighty nine. No, nineteen ninety eight. Oh, sorry, I might I might have misspoke there. But it was nineteen ninety eight. He had on Steve Austin versus the Undertaker, and you know I, I was like, man, that's cool. But then I never got into it consistently. Tuned back in a year or so later, saw that this is your life rock segment that everybody knows about. Still didn't you know get hooked into it until like two thousand. My mom was a huge wrestling fan. We're at Daytona Beach for vacation. WCW uh, Bash at the Beach where that big fiasco, you know, with Jeff Jarrett and Hulk Hogan and the title happens. I don't even remember that happening. I just remember a drunken fight in the stands behind us. But in all honesty, my hooking into wrestling started in 2002 in the like very beginning, right around Royal Rumble time, the match with The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. That was what hooked me. And then after that, we got tickets to Judgment Day. I got to see the Hell in a Cell match with uh, Chris Jericho and Triple H. And I also got to see The Undertaker, which was a huge, huge-ass deal because that's when I became like hooked on him because he had the most realistic character. He was a biker, and that was his true personality. That hooked me hook, line, and sinker. Got to see him uh, get his fourth WWE title. I love The Undertaker. Yes. 
The one that Greg loves. Yes. Oh that my was God. that was that was it with Paul Bear. Oh my God. That was the perfect the package. The chin man. was always <laughs> Oh yes. Yeah. So how did you come up with your quote unquote gimmick, your your stick? I mean, I know you're you're Scottish or Irish, but how did you come up with your your gimmick? I mean First off, confusing those two is racist. Oh, it is. How is that <laughs> no, racist? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Why? Because they're both pale skin with red hair. Uh, anyway, <laughs> no. Um, man, truth be told, I fell into the Irish thing because at the beginning, I started my career as uh, as Dironic. Some pothead people that I hung out with in high school would call me that, you know, because it's a playoff. My middle name, Dyron, and the Chronic, you know, but I didn't smoke. I didn't do any of that, but... You know, it's like, I did that for two shows, and I'm like, I don't feel this. It doesn't feel right. So I just started going by my real name of Dyron Flynn. But as you know, you've talked to people, too. Yeah, we got old Deeran booked, or we're going to book old Doran here tonight. And it's like, okay, nobody can say my name, whatever. It's easy material for me to get heat off of. Um, I just, I literally just floundered around for the first couple years because everybody wanted me to be a good guy. I was small. I was 150 pounds at the time. Everybody's like, he's a sympathetic white meat baby face. It didn't work. I didn't feel comfortable. Just like you mentioned on a, on a previous episode of our Tales from the Haunt podcast, you'd have these different characters you played. You didn't bring your authentic self because you didn't feel it. It's harder to make these people like you than it is to make them hate you. So I begged and I begged to become a heel and it finally happened and the light bulb clicked and I'm like, oh my God, why didn't we do this sooner? And I got introduced to this guy uh, who's come up several times on the show in the past named Mike Combs. In the wrestling world, his name is Mike Promo. This man is a genius as far as psychology and just human nature goes. And he helped me discover these different things about myself he put me in a tag team with one of my other best friends, Chris Brothers, also known as Chris Norte. We became known as the Drink Destroyers. And this was my senior year of college. Like my last semester, I was about to graduate. And um, like we just discovered this personality of taking our own experiences. We were going out drinking just about every night because he was five minutes away from my apartment. There was a bar in the middle, same bar that my wife would be at. And we never met until years after the fact. And, you know, it's like we just took our own character and experiences and turned them up to, like, 100. And he's also like, too, why don't you call yourself an intellectually defined athlete? Drop the Irish stuff because, you know, like, you are you are Irish, yes, but you don't, like, it's outdated. It's an outdated thing. Call yourself the intellectually defined athlete because you are getting a degree. So I started carrying one of my college textbooks to the ring, and this was a thick, thick book, right? And I would actually use it for the finish of my matches. Distract the referee, hit my opponent over the head with the book. There it was. Did they call you the graduate? No, but I did wrestle. I did wrestle the night I graduated in my cap and gown. I came out to Tina Turner's Simply the Best. And I had the little the little cardboard cutout that the diploma goes in. Did Jason, I, did, did, uh, Jason James get mad at you? Oh, no. We, we don't talk about that guy. I don't know. We're not going to go there. But no, anyway, so I did that, but it eventually just kept escalating into me becoming more of like a Ron Burgundy, hot-headed, almost comedic character where if you've watched Anchorman, you'll know like he says these random things if he gets if he gets flustered or whatever. If I get chopped, I'll scream out, you know, like by the beard of Zeus or whatever. But, you know, truth be told, I I just kind of like was just an asshole. 
uh, see how far I could push the boundaries, try and get fans to fight me, you know, as as Jeff has seen here. But um, after I took time off for acting, you know, it helped me really hone in on some character development along with working at the haunt because that's what led into me coming back here. And now I literally just take everything I'm doing. I take the fact that these these uh, we'll call them redneck to be nice, you know, like these people that are they're they're nice people, but in character I think they're the worst scum of the earth. And you know, it's like you live in a trailer or you live in this. You didn't graduate third grade, and you're preaching like who your kids should look up to. I've got a successful podcast. I'm a voice actor with an agent. I'm doing this. I've got a college degree. Tell your kids to look up to me. That's what it's become right now. And I've started calling myself the one-man enterprise because, again, thanks to Jeff coining the Flynn Hendricks Enterprises, which inadvertently became a big thing I loved with Tully Blanchard back in the day, it's all become a one-man thing, you know, like where it started with my name and became into that. Jeff's on my team now. You're obviously honorary on the team. So, you know, it's just become this whole thing where it's real life turned up to 10 with a little bit of exaggeration for being the bad guy. Gotcha. I'm a long-winded person. I apologize. No, you're totally fine. <laughs> so, moving forward, do you feel a disadvantage for a, as as a guy of your stature, meaning your height, your build? Do you do you sense a a sense of a, a, a disadvantage? I feel when it a, comes to wrestling. I feel a sense of disadvantage because I'm not the most athletic person. I can throw people. I mean, because I'm, I'm, I don't have a six pack. I don't have like a big barrel Arnold chest, but like I can throw up some weight. We've lifted together. I can't get as many reps in as you can, obviously, but I can try my best to keep up. But you know, I feel like the biggest thing for me is the fact that I'm not out here trying to do all these 360 flips or whatever. I'm more of the base for these guys or trying to round them in so that I can keep my my matches more based in reality so that people in the front row that may not want to see like six moonsaults in a match can relate to me kicking a guy in the knee because that's a bully thing to do. I feel like the, I hate to say the old school mentality of it, but the logical thinking mentality of it is what needs to be done because it's working on these shows, but to the grander scheme of things or people that aren't at those shows, they're telling you it's outdated and it's antiquated, but you're getting the loudest reactions on the shows if you're in a match with me. Well, that needs to die as well. Why is that? Because there's no, the, in, a, in a real life fight, Yeah. there's no such thing as an old school fight. No, exactly. Anything's fair game. Yeah, and so that whole trajectory, that whole picture needs to die absolutely it, it, it is what works yes okay yes and if, if a crowd reacts yep it works and it, it's like a, it's like an old phrase that arn anderson has said what are they going to relate to more a guy using a flip off of the top rope to take me down or me being the schoolyard bully and thumbing you in the eye or kicking you in the knee to take an go. advantage there you go it's it's got to be believable because again the curtain has been pulled back so much. These people know it's, it's a show. It's already pulled back yep. due to due to uh, the worldwide web. Yeah, but you want to make them it. suspend that disbelief for a second. And people talking about it and and just everything. It's it's, yep. it's 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 it is what it is. But it's what the thing is. This you still got to make people believe. Even exactly. like at the haunted house, you have to make people believe. It's you're in the character. Yes. You're in the gimmick. You got to take it from zero yes. to 100. Yes. Oh, solid reference. Solid reference. Yeah. Man, bring on another one. These are good. Hey, man. 
That's what I do. Yes. You're on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. But um, what physical, mental, emotional toll does this take on? Does this happen? Does it, does does this um, come on to you? Meaning, like, because meaning you you have a family. Yes. You have your personal life. Yes. Then you have your podcast. Yes. You have this. Yes. You have yes. That you have so many things. Mm-hmm. How does it take a personal, emotional, and mental toll? Well, I can tell you right now the biggest thing that factors into that um, as as this airs. Hopefully this problem will have been corrected. But as we're recording right now, uh, I've been diagnosed by the doctor that I don't get REM sleep. And as we all know, that's very effective for recovery. REM job? No, not. we're not going into that. That's disgusting, Mrs. Cartman. But um, anyway, you know, it's like I don't get restful recovery sleep. Uh, so I'm going into a pulmonologist to see if I qualify for a sleep apnea test. But I mean, realistically, what it does is in the past... I would get so gung-ho on these projects that I would just like, I, I hate to say that I would push family time to the side or I would push my own mental health and sanity and sleep to the side because I would feel guilty if I wasn't doing all this stuff or staying busy. So I handled it very poorly. I'm still on the track to getting things right, but you know, it's my wife and I both go through moods where like we want to get these projects done or we just need time to ourselves, but we still make time to sit and do things and watch our shows, but... You know, if I have to get some auditions in later at night and push me going to sleep back a little bit, I'll do that so I can take my oldest son to practice or if they want to go jump on the trampoline or go do something. It, uh, it, you know, I, I sacrifice my sleep that way so I can still exercise and then still take time with them. There's no such thing as sacrificing. This is true. I rearrange my schedule. There you go. Yep. That, that needs to die too. Yes. But the, the biggest thing as far as mentally goes, especially in, in voice acting, I've had to learn that just because you don't get an answer or just because you don't get a booking or get past a shortlist or a callback doesn't mean you're not good. It means that you are up against so many other people and sometimes that you're just not what that director or that casting agent was looking for. That does that shouldn't discourage you, but sometimes it's still we're our own worst enemies. We right. get in our own heads about it. It happens. But especially in wrestling, oh. the environment can be so toxic sometimes that they will feed on your insecurities to make themselves feel better. Because it's so saturated. Yes. But getting away from it and coming back to this and seeing that I have succeeded outside of it lets it roll off one shoulder now and out the other. Okay, cool. Um, but you still have to take care of you. Yes. I understand you have family, you have obligations, yep. you have commitments. And that's... The whole nine yards, but you still have... At the end of the day, you have you. Yes. Okay, you're you're over your temple. Yep, that's it. All right? Nobody else. Yep. Nobody else is in your body. So, I guess this is question number five. Yes, sir. With what you have going on, and you know that you're about to get, you know, checked, probably have sleep apnea. Yep. How are you trying to be proactive about your health? Are you doing cardio? Are you changing the way you eat? Are you taking naps? Are you, what are you, are you, 
you know, less anxiety. What are you doing? Less energy drinks because energy drinks, energy drinks are is 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 the number one part of that. I will say. So what are you doing to be proactive? It it used to be a thing where I would, um, you know, like I would drink a lot of Mountain Dew or Mellow Yellow. I have significantly cut back on that for sure. Um, But the biggest thing too is like if I'm tired or I need to lay down for a second, I've gotten better, and I, I'm gonna say I still suck at it, but I will let my wife know. Because especially when I would come home from our job, especially during the pandemic, when we didn't know what was going on from day to day, you have to worry about what you may be bringing home. And, you know, I knew she'd been home. You might die. Yeah, that too. That too. But, you know, like she'd been at home all day, like with our, at the time, son who was in kindergarten trying to do virtual learning on top of a not even one-year-old child yet. And I would just, I would hate to say, hey, I need a few minutes to unwind. And a racist dog. He wasn't racist. He barked at white people too. But um, anyway, you know, it's like I would have a hard time saying, babe, I need to take a few minutes. Just give me a second to unwind because I would feel like I had to come in and automatically flip the switch off of all that mental taxation into being super dad, being super husband and give her a break. And it would lead to arguments because, you know, I would just get so frazzled, so tired and burned out. I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. And, you know, like she's like, well, why are you upset? And I'm like, I don't even know. I am tired. I am exhausted. This is going on, and I feel like I have to give you a break. And, you know, it it got to the point where she's like, just tell me. And I'm like, I don't know how to communicate it sometimes. I really don't. But I'm getting better about it, and it has helped our relationship quite a bit. And it's even helped with the kids, too, where if they see me grumpy, you know, it's like, look, just because Dad gets frustrated does not mean Dad loves you any less. If Dad has to get on to you because you did something you weren't supposed to, I'm doing it out of love so that you can learn a lesson out of it. And it's also, it's a big thing for me because my dad never gave me any of that. My dad didn't want me around. My dad was just the the worst person on earth to me. And I refuse to repeat that pattern. And anytime I've had to get mad or get on to the kids or even with my wife, because he was abusive to my mom, I, I've had that fear of like, I'm going to become him with this one little isolated incident of losing my temper. But at the same time, too, it was because I didn't know how to communicate it. I didn't know how to put myself first because I felt like everybody had to come before me. But as I've started doing this now, you know, mid-pandemic, right at the beginning, I had a corrective surgery that I should have had 12 years ago at this point for nerve damage in my arm. Um, Couldn't extend it all the way. I made it a priority to take care of that. Now I'm making it a priority to get this sleep thing checked out because I wake up every day like just dead tired. You and I talk about it almost every morning. You know? Welcome to my world, brother. It, it's you know, it's it's one of those things where it may sound like it's common sense stuff, but it's not something that's encouraged in this society, and it needs to be because if I'm not, I'm not the only one going through this. And we all know it. Do cardio. Yep, and I do cardio. I do cardio. Cardio has been bigger to me than you know. My gut obviously says otherwise, but it's been bigger to me than strength training. But again, too, you come to find out you're not getting restful sleep. You're impacting how your body recovers and adapts to all the training you're doing. And if you're not getting recovery sleep, you're pretty much just revving the engine until it burns out and you're not going to make any results off of it. So that's why you don't answer your phone? Truth be told, sometimes I'm trying to do vocal rest because I've had very intense, um, very intense vocal sessions in the booth. But then also, too, nine times out of ten, I am so fried or I'm on the phone cleaning up somebody else's mess from work that it's hard for me to just sit and have a conversation because I'm so irritated about something. Gotcha. And again, I know, I know that I don't answer every one of your calls, but 
you know, again, it, it's just one of those things in my mind where it's just like, I, I can't flip the switch from one thing to another half the time. But, yeah, I apologize for not answering every one of your calls. I just wanted to bring that to the table. <laughs> That's all. I just wanted to point that out because you were just, you know, spilling your guts. And yeah. I'm like, you're not saying what I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to call y'all on that. Well, you may have a future in podcasting, kid. <laughs> but no, dude, these were some very intense and very cathartic questions, too. And like just the first like tip of the iceberg of your story, too, has been an eye-opening experience for me. Because this is stuff we've talked about. But in this interview, like you've peeled it back just a little bit more and shown me a little bit more behind the curtain on your story and experiences. And again, it makes me just appreciate our friendship that much more. So I appreciate you taking the time and flying in, even if I had to rearrange my schedule to make it happen. Hey, you know, it, things happen. Um, I'll be here for a minute. Got to head to Kentucky. Yeah, for, we're about to hit the road here. For uh, a, a, a special appearance, a as super, I call it. A super show. A super show. I'm not wrestling, but I want to show my face in the place. Absolutely. And, and stand back and, and watch. Absolutely. That's it. But guys, I mean, we're going to have this guy back on for multiple parts on this. He's also been a guest on Tales from the Haunt, and I guarantee you he's going to be back on there too. But, you know, this has been a very cathartic interview, I think, for everybody involved. And I got to have my dog in studio, my number one dude. So this has been a great day altogether. But if you enjoyed this episode and this was your first, guys, I encourage you to go back and get subscribed on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever podcasting platform you use, this podcast is there. Go back to the beginning in episode one of season one. Hear me talk about things on my end. Hear me get into interviews with my other guests. You know, like, I go, I cover the entire spectrum here. Even in season two is when we started this questionnaire thing, and you guys loved it so much it took on a life of its own. So go back and listen. Share it with your friends. Everybody has a story to tell, and everybody has something they can relate to out of this. So I'm just grateful you guys keep tuning in to listen to me having these conversations with my friends, and I'm grateful I get a chance to learn something new about them, even though I've known them for over a decade. So this has been an awesome, awesome experience. And on top of that, too, guys, go subscribe to Tales from the Haunt if you like all things spooky. Both podcasts are on all major podcasting platforms and we're on all social media platforms. We're going to have links in the show notes. And if you want to advertise on this show, too, check the links there because we're going to have information about how you can advertise with us. And I'd love to get your project or product out there to the world, too. But before I keep rambling on here, I'm going to go ahead and thank Big Sev here for taking his time to come in studio. I just helped your ratings, brother. <laughs> I think you did. Thank Big Jeff over here. Or should I say just Jeff, Dr. Jeffro, Dr. Jeffro Toll. And we'll stick with just Jeff again this week. But thank him for all the magic he does on the engineering side of things and for being a great partner in everything he does here. And thank you all especially for listening, subscribing, and sharing. It means the world to me. I can't encourage you guys to go out enough and do some good in the world before I'm back with you again next week with another awesome episode. But in the meantime, do some good in the world, and I know you hear me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dig it. PWC Podcast. With Rick Del Santo. For all your wrestling reviews, interviews, and news, Rick covers the United Wrestling Network, the NWA, and the Northeast region of the United States Independence. PWC, 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 PWC keeps you in the zone.
I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.